The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. From the order of our founding principles. To the disorder of today. It's a brutal a regime. Responsibility for last night's vicious terror attack. Driven at speed into a crowd of unsuspecting worshippers. Chaos. And clarity. How returning to our founding principles can heal our nation. A special Independence Day presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. I am apt to believe that Independence Day will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shrews, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward forevermore. John Adams wrote that to his wife, July 3rd, 1776. The day before, July 2nd, Congress officially voted to declare independence from Great Britain, and he wanted to explain the significance of his wife and how we ought to view and celebrate our Independence Day in the future. And I love that expression. Bonfires and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward forevermore. Hi there, it's Doc Thompson, your host for Chaos and Clarity. Our founding principles will heal our nation from all of the turbulent times that we have been experiencing over the last how many years if we only focus in on them. Happy Independence Day. Imagine the magnitude of the moment when John Adams took pen to paper and wrote that to his wife. I mean, certainly he didn't know what the next 240 years would bring. He had no way of of really knowing what America would become, how significant, how much good it would do for the world. But he and the other founding fathers recognized that there was something special going on, this great American experiment in personal governance, in freedom, and with that, the responsibility to do your part to better yourself, your country, and do what you can to help your man, respecting those personal freedoms. He knew that significant moment. What would you write at that time? What would you write to your spouse Even if you didn't know what America would become, it wasn't just about the significance of the moment of this great experiment. He and the other founding fathers, by signing their name on that document, were committing treason treason against the crown. That if things went south, guess what? That document would be used at their execution. Pretty significant moment. Hey, honey. (laughs) I'm uh, signing this document that uh, pretty much going to get me killed. But John Adams also knew what else was at stake. Because he wrote in that same letter to his wife, You will think me transported with enthusiasm, but I am not. I am well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom, I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory. 
I can see the end is more than worth all the means, and the posterity will triumph in the day's transaction, even although we shall rue it, which I trust in God we shall not. See, it was pretty chaotic then, too. Every day for a decade, I have gotten up and looked at the news and found myself saying, how can it get any worse? Every day is massive upheaval in the news with outrageous beliefs and ideas and actions coming out of D.C. and my fellow countrymen. And I'm just stunned that chaos has become a way of life. It's almost a malaise, except the next day something happens that even manages to trump that chaos the day before. But throughout our history, we've had some pretty turbulent times. And what got us through? What got us through were a couple of core values that we seem to be missing right now. It was chaotic during the Revolutionary War. The year leading up to the signing of the Declaration of Independence, I mean, the colonies had been debating how to handle it. They'd been living under British rule, suffering without the right of self-determination of their own fate. And then they signed the document that could have been used to put them to death. Plus, They were also condemning others to death to fight for independence and swearing their own oath, promising their lives, their fortune, and their sacred honor. As crazy and chaotic as it was, they had something that got them through. The things that got us through World War II and World War I, the things that got us through the Great Depression, the things that got us through the Civil War, and those things are faith and core beliefs. Without those core beliefs, they knew life wasn't even worth living. When Patrick Henry went to the floor of St. John's Church in Richmond, Virginia, it was there for a meeting of the House of of Delegates, and they said, we've got to make an argument for or against and speak on, shall we join the revolution? And a bunch of speakers spoke against it. And then Patrick Henry spoke. And he said, give me liberty or give me death. But the part before it is so significant. The part leading up to it is maybe more important than the give me liberty and give me death part. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Saying that, Life is not worth living unless we are free. And that's also one of those founding principles. Over the next couple of hours, we're going to get to the root of all of the chaos, the root of all of the challenges you have been confronted with over the last decade or so. We're going to identify them and lay them out, but we're also going to do something that seems increasingly rare in the world today. We're going to find solutions based on the founding values and ideas that built America into a world power, an economic juggernaut, and a refuge for all who seek personal freedom. During the next three hours, we'll be joined by lots of insightful people like Mike Broomhead, Lawrence B. Jones, Mike Opalka, and Patton Stew, exploring chaos-causing topics like campaign finance reform, social justice and social justice warriors, debt and taxes, and of course, the partisanship that is infecting us from Washington, D.C. 
If you'd like to follow along on social media, you can join me on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Doc Thompson Show. On Twitter, it's at Doc Thompson Show. Please follow me and share your thoughts on chaos and clarity, what America needs to get through all of the turbulent times. Share your thoughts on social media. Chaos and clarity. A special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to a special presentation, Chaos and Clarity, from the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Chaos and Clarity, a special Independence Day program brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. I'm your host, Doc Thompson. One of the things I think we have to do moving forward, if you want to solve some problems, is we have to start giving each other the benefit of the doubt. We're all pretty hopped up right now, and as passionate as I am about doing and saying the right things and the right ideas and how we move things forward, freedom and personal freedoms and capitalism. I have to give the benefit of the doubt to people I disagree with, at least that they mean well. Of course, there's fringe elements that are just crazy and want to destroy things. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the average liberal on the other side of the aisle that I may disagree with. I should at least give them the benefit of the doubt that their motivations are pure, that they want people to do better. They just believe differently how to accomplish it. And if they will give me the benefit of the doubt... Then we can engage in civil discourse. That has to be one of the keys. Let's talk about some of the other chaos and some of the other ways we move forward. Joining me now for the Blaze Radio Network is Mike Opalka. Join him on Twitter. It's at StuntBrain. We have, Doc, a class that we have allowed to develop, an entire class of people that I will call the Entitleista Politicians. We have politicians who have been in office so long that they're not there to do the job that they were supposed to be doing, the job they were hired to be doing, the job that the founders envisioned them doing, the job that we would all say, do your job. They're not doing it because we've allowed them to become entitled. We've allowed them to become a ruling class, which was the whole reason why this this holiday exists, this nation exists, because we broke away from a ruling class that was oppressing all of the freedoms that we know that would make us great, not just as individuals, but as a nation. Come on, give me one example. Name one example of a politician who's been that ruling class, been there a long time. Give me one. Well, it used to be anybody whose last name was Kennedy. <laughs> okay, but, you well, know, there's that. They've, yeah. A lot of them have died off and gone away. But I think there's still a couple of them out there. But I will tell you, growing up in Chicago, it used to be... If there was the mayor of Chicago who didn't have the name Daly, it's because something was wrong. Something had happened. We had Mayor Richard Daly during my entire childhood growing up. And I remember the day Mayor Daly died. It was like the day Elvis died, the way the city stopped. And then there was a, a brief period where we didn't have a Daly. We had uh, Mayor Washington, the first black mayor of Chicago. We had Mayor Jane Byrne, who hung out for a while. And then we had Mayor Blandick, who was in there. And we ended up with yet another Daly, the son of the original mayor. 
And his only job, it seemed, was to try and stay longer than his dad was in office. And he managed to do it. He actually managed to do it. So for, I think it was, they were each over 25 years in office. And you want to think you've got a little bit of control. You've got a little bit of uh, royalty in your in your step when you walk in. And everybody goes, who's that? Oh, that's mayor. Oh, that must be a person named Daly now, isn't it? Now, thankfully, the city of Chicago has not gone on and carried on with a child of the last Daly who just passed away less than 10 years ago. But what did they do? They brought in another career politician, Rahm Emanuel. Ah, oh, jeez, I hadn't even thought about that. Well, think about around the country. You've got uh, the Cuomos, right, in New oh, York. Yeah. You've got those. But in D.C., Mike, you've got uh, uh, Orrin Hatch. Yeah. You've got uh, Chuck Schumer. So great point. This exists uh, John on McCain. both sides of the aisle. Right, exactly. Republicans, Democrats, and it's at, at the federal level, the state level, some local. Can we talk about Michigan? What oh, about Michigan? how I wish again that I was in Michigan. But I don't because... There's always, always, it seems, somebody in the state of Michigan whose name is Dingle, who's serving in the House. They even called it the Dingle seat. John Dingle. Just so served. you know, I don't want the Dingle seat. Nobody I'll take wants another the one. Dingle seat. <laughs> no, no, nobody wants the Dingle. It might be a punishment. All right, Dingle. Can you imagine you wake up and your name is Dingle and you're like, well, what am I going to do? Oh. You're headed to Congress. Well, Congratulations. Okay. Congratulations. Well, that's two strikes what, against what you. What did you have, a boy or a girl? A congressman. Oh, no. <laughs> no. But this is this is the problem. We have allowed these people to serve in the government to the point where they don't think they're serving. They think we're serving them. It really is a, a, a flip that has happened, and we've allowed it to happen. I don't see it getting better. It's only going to get worse. Well, of course it's only getting worse. Look at look I mean, at and it Chuck can Schumer. get worse from here as far as their control and the entitlement, uh, the elite class in D.C. It can get worse, right? Of course it can because they're the ones making all the rules. When they're the ones making all the rules, they, then they're just going to keep doing whatever they want to do, not whatever's good for us, which is why we sent them there because they said – Doc Thompson, I'm going to go to Washington, D.C., and I'm going to do what's good for you. And by you, I mean me. me. And that's exactly it. That's that's the best example of when that politician points at you and says, I'm doing this for you. There's three fingers pointing back at them <laughs> saying, okay, it's three to one. The you that's me outnumbers, outnumbers the you. Outnumbers, got to do it. I mean, the Stock Act is, it act is the perfect example how we allowed, it was legal for yes. Congress to trade yes. on insider information, the very thing that Martha Stewart went to jail for, they were allowed to legally do. And when people found out, they shut them down with the Stock Act, and then they repealed part, repealed part of the Stock Act sure. in a voice vote after everybody had left D.C. for the weekend, when then-Majority Leader Eric Cantor stepped to the floor and said, anybody against us repealing this so we can once again trade with insider information? No. Done. Passed. And yes, thank over. you. Yeah, and that's... That's the point. That alone should have been an impeachable offense. But as we learned from Maxine Waters, Auntie Max, to the millennials who are trying to stay woke, you can't impeach a congressperson. No, you can't. You can't. Interestingly enough, we have term limits for the president. We don't have term limits for Congress or senators. Is that the solution? Yeah. Well, I think that would be a way to start. Now, the argument is, and it always has been, anybody who opposes term limits... Uh, comes up with the argument, you already have them. And you go, what? wait, what? You already have term limits. 
What? Your vote. It's called a vote, and you have it. I said, well, then why do we need it for the president? If we don't need term limits for the House and the Senate, why do we have it for the president? Why don't we just remove it for the presidency? And you know what? The people who voted Obama in would have taken that. They would have said, yeah, okay, good. Good job, good job. That's why Jose Serrano in New York, every time Congress starts Mm -hmm. in session, at least when there's a Democrat in office, Serrano proposes that we eliminate any restrictions on presidential terms. Yeah, because he would have kept. What if they'd be okay with that now? No, those same people. I don't think so. They'd be a little different on that right now. Yeah, I think. Well, and then ninety-four. Why ninety-four? Ninety-four percent of the time, the incumbent gets elected, and it's because they have this massive advantage. And they are allowed uh, the, the franking Uh-oh. privileges that the congressmen are allowed. Free to, mail. Free mail. Your, That's what franking is. Right? Do you know who that was originally granted? Congressman Frank. Not the Barney one, though, right? It originally was given to Jackie Kennedy. Oh, she? Really? Yes. And then Congress was like, well, you know, we should be able to do that, Oh, too. I thought it went way back. I did I th- not know that. Well, maybe they granted it to her. Maybe, maybe I should. Go, it, maybe yeah. I should look into that. I could be wrong. I know it is named after a congressman, Frank, but, but franking privileges, the power of the office, if the higher, like the president, the bully pulpit, and the airplane flying around, right? Just the fact that you want to make an address to the people will draw the attention to you that creates an unfair advantage over anyone who would want to come in. And, and the reality is, and, and part of the question here is, if we're going to try and limit the terms of these people, the House and the Senate, what's the, what's the right thing to do? Because I, I think the Senate's kind of got it right in terms of the way they elect them, with a third every six years, so the whole thing never turns over. The House, on the other hand, has the issue where you're elected, and the first thing you have to do after you take that oath to protect and defend the Constitution, the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. The first thing you have to do then is start your reelection committee. Yeah. The first thing, because it's two years. And look what happened after after Trump was sworn in. What began? Well, the 2020 campaign is underway. So, it, so they, you do, do you three three years uh, terms for congressmen and then do them. Uh, you can serve three, a third, three. A third, a third. Yeah, and you do a three. Uh, you could serve three terms, max. I could see, yeah, because that gives you nine years. If you can't get something done in nine years, what what do we call you, Maxine Waters? Exactly. Hey, host, host of other people that are. And I'll, and I'll give Senate two terms. How about that? Twelve years. That's Twelve years plenty. is plenty, and that uh, means combined, you can serve twenty-one years. Perfect. And I would say this: there should be some sort of term limit at the federal level. A complete service. Add them all up. But if you're serving 30 total, you've been in elected office too long. I mean, yeah, seriously, sure. so you have to decide it. The max is like, you know, 22 years. I think that's very generous. You're getting lifetime benefits, which yep. are tremendous. Mm-hmm. You're getting a pension. And I think your your key card still works at the gym in, in Congress, which mm-hmm. is an incredible gym. Mm-hmm. If we're to believe the photos we've seen that came out of there. But I'm just saying that if we started with term limits, which I know is going to be a, a, a real battle, a wrestling match. But we need a real likable person to say, all right, I'm in. It may be one of these young Turks who've just come up. It may be the Ben Sass type guy. It may be, uh, what's his name, the guy you liked? Uh, uh, Dave Bratt. Dave Bratt. Because you know who would go for term limits, and he's a guy I think is a genius, and I would support him on just about anything, Ted Cruz. But he's not that likable. Well, he's been he's been tainted. 
right, this is uh, Chaos and Clarity. We hope you can join us on Twitter. It's at StuntBrain for Mike Opalka and at Doc Thompson Show for me. Happy Independence Day. Chaos and Clarity. A special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. This is Chaos and Clarity, a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Independence Day. This is Chaos and Clarity, a service of the Blaze Radio Network, and I'm Doc Thompson. If you would please follow me on Twitter, it's at Doc Thompson Show. Joining me now from theblaze.com is Brandon Morse. What up? And it's at Brandon Morse. At the Brandon Morse. Oh, we want to get confused with all one. the we other. Gotta, yeah, we got to, you know, actually, when I the. created that, I did not mean to make it sound as self important as I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked back on it and I was like, wow, I'm very prideful. I like that. That's very good. Yeah. Why the chaos? What's the problem, Brandon? We got to get our head around this. You are. I, I know I am part of the problem, certainly. <laughs> no, uh, you know, it's so funny. Um, I, I, I try to look at everything uh, when it comes down to our problem, you know, the, the, the chaotic source. But I feel like the chaotic source does not exist. There are so many different things out there that are that is causing this chaos. And while we can say we, we can we can point to all sorts of different origins for our chaos, I know of one of the major vehicles of this chaos that in turn becomes the reason, the source itself. And that is the cause of social justice. The term social justice. Yeah. Let's explore that for yeah. a moment. And then the social justice warriors who advocate right. for so just social justice. What does that yeah, mean? So okay, it's like it's a term that was invented a long, long, long time ago during the Reformation and all that stuff, uh, the Christian Reformation. And you know, uh, it, 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 when it was originally thought of, it was actually kind of a concept that Jesus pushed around without actually calling it social justice. And social justice, really, what it's supposed to be is the idea that you and I are equal. You know, we start equal, and then you know we do whatever we do. And and so long as you're not breaking my arm or taking money out of my wallet. We're good, you know. This has morphed today into becoming more racialized, more sexualized, uh, depending on how you lean uh, today on what gender you are. You know, this this is all stuff that involves social justice, meaning, you know, me being a white male, I am apparently very privileged, and any person who is not a white male uh, is, is not as privileged as I am. They have it way worse than I do, and it does not matter uh, if they're rich or or if they're successful, um, they had to work for it twice as hard because you know even though I'm poor and buy the right. cheap toilet paper, everything that I've got I've gotten easy because I'm a white male, and so it, it's it's kind of well, and, and there's obviously a fallacy there. One one of my frustrations with that is that just because you're a white male or just mm-hmm. because you're whatever does not automatically mean you had something given. Yes, you may not yeah. have had the same challenges other people right. had, oh, yeah. but no, none absolutely. of us had. Exactly. I mean, you know what? I can't throw a football 40 yards, 10 right. yards. I can't throw it. Social justice would mean what? That you've got to allow me to still play in the NFL and get exactly. bonus points automatically, like a mulligan? I, you know, the way I look at it is like it's always the weakest. Social justice looks at the weakest link and says that everyone has to be just like this link. You know, no one can surpass this link. But even if it's based on faith, even if it's based on Christianity and, and the teachings of Jesus of everybody is equal, that's good. I, I believe that. Right. But the, the fallacy, the mistake, the misunderstanding, even in the Declaration of Independence, all men are created equal, mm-hmm. endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. 
The equal does not mean equal outcome, Um, equal success. Exactly. The equal means we are all children of God with those things. Right. Exactly. And there is no way to make everybody equal physically or economically. And on top of that, I mean, like it takes, it does not take into account. And I noticed most of the social justice arguments do not do this. They don't take into account the decisions that brought somebody to where they are. You know, I am sitting in front of you in front of a microphone right now because I I worked my butt off constantly to be hired by the blaze in order to trust, have them trust me enough to sit in front of this microphone and and represent them as I talk. All right. Now, that was something that I worked hard for. Right. So let's take another person um, who spent most of their time doing drugs. They they, you know, didn't they, they drank a lot. Um, they spent most of their time at bars, you know, that kind of thing. They didn't really try to apply themselves into all sorts of stuff. You know, um, that person is now poor. So instead of actually looking at his actions, they would instead look at, okay, well, is he a male? What is his sexual identity? You know, what color is he? They look into all that stuff and then they say that that plays into why. Well, yeah, they would, say, they would say the reason Not, he yeah. was lazy, he did drugs, he didn't apply himself, any of these things. Right was because of the hand that he was dealt. Shouldn't he be given a fairer hand? Shouldn't we step in and say, you get some sort of mulligan points or money? Uh And and shouldn't the guy who actually is successful help fund that? His his rise back to, I guess, the middle? Right. Well, and there's a misnomer that the person who is successful had it easy Mm -hmm. and that i mean listen yeah i get there are people that are dealt horrible hands in life i get it absolutely yeah they started they started off with nothing but you know what how many people in america started off with nothing and then rose to the top exactly how many there's no way to quantify this across the board there's no way to and if you try to what you end up doing is punishing some at the expense of others right exactly and let's 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 boil it down to what social justice is nowadays it is flat out communism you will see that so when, in so, who push so when I hear social justice in the future, right? I think communism. Well, you, you and you can apply should. it to communist examples from the past. That's exactly, but I mean, like they'll admit it to you. You know, they they want socialism, they want communism, they think capitalism is evil. Most these, so, I'm, I'm referring, of course, to social justice warriors, right? The people who primarily push social justice nowadays. But you'll also uh, find it, it is several things. It's also anti male. Uh, you have many people who are trying to push the idea of something called rape culture, where they think that men are just, you know, we're taking time bombs when it comes to rape. We're, we're just, we're just gonna, we're gonna trip over something and rape. Somebody. Well, there you know, it is. Know, I raped three people on yeah, the way oh, to work God, today. Way, I didn't oh mean to. It just happened. I'm a white male. Done. Um, well, it, it, I've even heard um, the statistics. <laughs> it's crazy. Some of them are like, all right, uh, twelve out of ten women are raped fourteen times in their life. Yeah. I mean, it's like this. Yeah, wait, yeah. wait, 12 out of 10. What? Yeah. I mean, they would have you believe that every woman, these crazy surveys mm-hmm. and statistics that mm-hmm. every woman Probably the three is and a five victim. rape myth, you know, yeah. like and in college. What? That's that's absolutely not that's, true. No, not at all. I mean, if it was, would people be really sending their daughters to college? Well, no, honey, not. maybe maybe you'll be the two out of five that yeah, gets exactly. lucky in our rate. Maybe you'll get lucky. No. Right. I mean, uh, like, <laughs> I mean, no. And you know what's funny is women are graduating college a record number way more than males now. So, you know what? It's probably not happening. No, I'm sorry. I said probably. That was a mistake. It's not. It's not. So, <laughs> but, you know, you have you have people trying to combat rape culture. Like, you know, the, one of the things that I wrote about on TheBlaze.com, you should go check it out, is uh, trendy moms right now are actually asking their infants permission to pick them up before they pick them up in order to combat rape culture. Wait, what does that have to do with 
Oh, exactly. It doesn't have anything to do with it. It doesn't have anything to do with it. What's their argument, they, well, though? Well, they think, they think that by by asking permission, they're infusing them with this like idea uh-huh. that you have to ask. Like, right. like like we men are just going around and raping people, you know, just like, hey, if only my mother had taught me to ask first. Can I rape you? Can okay, I rape great, you? Is that wonderful. fine? Is that cool? Okay. So, no, you know, and, and it's that kind of ridiculousness. But, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that is being taught nowadays, especially... Uh, not just in the media, but especially in universities. Right now in universities, you have kids walking around, uh, like in Evergreen College, which is infamous right now, they're walking around with bats in order to enforce their view of what should be, you know, their social justice-backed view. This is the kind of stuff that we are allowing. These kids aren't facing any kind of uh, punishments for this, So, by the way. I imagine there are some people that the social justice platform warriors, whatever, where they're saying, um, you know, I believe in all of these things. We got to combat it. And some even targeted males, you know, whatever, all this. Some really believe this stuff. Some have been brainwashed. Yeah, absolutely. But some of them, this has to be just a power grab. They're trying mm-hmm. to level this, what they say is an unequal playing field. Right. But it's really just them wanting a, a leg up. Well, no, absolutely. But it, it's, a, it's a power grab on many levels you have the power grab uh, from politicians who use social justice in order to push there you you see that a lot in um uh, focahontas <laughs> you know you she uses social justice quite a bit you see it by, from bernie sanders all of these people who say look you, people are poor and it's the rich people's fault you know right. we got to make sure that we raise taxes You're basically taking something from other people um but they say that because they want to get votes People. So what's the solution to battling social justice? Well, is first, it is it education? Well, uh, yeah, first off, that is a huge part of it right now. Uh, one of the biggest breeding grounds is our universities. We need to make sure that we are not funding, sending money or our children to universities that actually teach this nonsense. Uh, places like Evergreen. You know, you look at Mizzou. Mizzou had that big 19, concern since the 1950 thing where Melissa Click went in and kicked these students out, said asking for muscle, Right. Now, all of a sudden, that university is losing money, and they're learning their lesson. Uh, they're saying they're not pushing this anymore. So if we want to really stop the social justice push, we start with the universities, stop funding them. The other thing is, stop voting for politicians who tell you every mistake that you've ever made is somebody else's fault. If somebody tells you that your mistakes are somebody else's fault, they're trying to sell you a lie. They're just trying to use you for a vote. Stop voting for them. Appreciate it, Brandon. Coming up on the program, the chaos of bloated debt and out-of-control spending. Chaos and Clarity, a special presentation, how a return to our founding principles could heal our nation. From the Blaze Radio Network. is Chaos and Clarity, a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Chaos and Clarity. It's Doc Thompson along with Mike Broomhead from KFY Radio in Phoenix. Mike, I think one of the other um, bits of chaos that is constantly surrounding us is debt and spending. And I, I can't believe that always seems to come up as a right issue I think it's an issue for everybody. I just don't think everybody's realized it. Well, and I think that what we have to realize is in our personal lives, we are all held accountable. And when something happens in a family or even when, if you're single, when you either lose a job, hours are cut back, there's something that happens, you adjust your budget. 
so as you don't go into any more debt than you have to. And you prioritize. So you will you will stop going out. When things get worse and worse, you'll cut off your cell phone before you stop paying your mortgage. I and mean, you do those things in Prioritizing. order. Of course, in which we don't do in the government. We've gotten to a place where it used to be the argument between the left and the right, between the Republicans and Democrats, was what we were going to spend the pile of money we have on. That was the argument. And they went in there and duked it out over, I'm going to get this, you're going to get that, and sorry, if my party controls it, we're going to get a bigger slice of the pie. Correct. And then that's when elections have consequences, and if you don't like the direction the Republicans are taking us, vote in the Democrats. They'll change the agenda next time around. Mm -hmm. What we've got now is no one says no. There's increases to defense spending and national security and the things that the Republicans think are right for the country. The Democrats are still getting the welfare uh, programs that they want and, and the subsidies from the government. And what ends up happening is the Republicans don't want to look weak on those issues. The Democrats aren't going to give in on the other issues, but because the Republicans control everything and what we get is $20 trillion in debt. We can blame it on Obama. It's easy. How long was he president with a Republican-controlled Congress? That's right. I mean, uh, two, three quarters of it? Yeah. So 75% of his presidency was spent with the republicans controlling the congress every spending bill in the country begins in the house of representatives and they've controlled they control it the, the, from 2010 on and so you have that that's consistency if you're going to say you can't blame it all on obama it can be his agenda but you didn't do anything to stop it either and that's where both parties need to realize I've got grandkids. I have three and one on the way. What's going to happen in 20 years when they're either getting out of college, five and a half year old, going into the workforce, or is in the military? What am I leaving them? Is it going to be 25, 30 trillion dollars in debt? What are we leaving them? No one would want to do that in their personal life. You got kids, you want to leave them something that makes their lives better when you go, whatever their inheritance is. If I give them trillions of dollars in debt and inheritance, what kind of parent have I been? You know, remember uh, when TARP ended George W. Bush, they passed this. It was three quarters of a trillion dollars. Business is too big to fail. Right. And and it was this random number that there was no way to prove that they were wrong if we didn't do it. Right. It's just we must do this. We don't know what would have happened. It's going to melt down globally. But it was about three quarters of a trillion. There were some add ons and whatever. And it was just a big number to scare everybody. Do you realize that the stimulus plan, just because just months later, Obama got elected, it was only like. Four or five months after TARP that they passed stimulus, which was about three quarters of a trillion dollars with the Democrats in complete control, House, Senate and White House. All it was was the Republicans got three quarters of a trillion for their peeps. Now we're going to get three quarters of a trillion dollars. Right. And they were going to fix roads and bridges. And now what are we talking about now? Fixing roads and bridges. Infrastructure. Right. Because a lot of that infrastructure, you know, was pissed away in things like uh, Solyndra and other solar stuff that didn't. I mean, they, they didn't end up producing anything. Oh, we're, I'm, I'm from Arizona. I'm very oh, familiar. <laughs> very <laughs> familiar. But, you know, and you're right about it because you look at the debt that was created in that time frame. And someone like yourself and myself that would say the libertarian leaning people would look at that spending and say the government's primary responsibility is national defense. Sure border security, and fix the roads and bridges. I mean, that's their primary job of the federal government. (laughs) Everything else comes after. We've been fixing the bridges for 12 years now at the cost of how many trillions of dollars, and they're talking about doing it now again. Most of that money didn't end up going towards it. The ones that did, I mean, we've got a lot of roads and bridges and infrastructure, and And it's always been an issue. It's a union thing. It touches everybody. In the name of stimulus, how does one job stimulate the economy it doesn't that job ends if and here's the example i used for there's the other side of this when the republicans said we need to tarp 
too big to fail. Right. You give that money to a company. With that money, they remodel the executive bathrooms and say, well, we've created jobs because we're hiring people to, to fix the bathrooms up. Well, that job's over in six months. Same it's with temporary. fixing the roads. It's not creating industry where we're getting companies an opportunity to start up and letting them build companies where they hire people long term. That's the difference with a stimulus package. What should have been done is post. So let's talk got. solutions. I mean, balancing the budget is obviously the solution. But people on the left that are offended at what I say when I question spending in government and whatever, um, understand. I, I, you're you're right. There are. There are sacred cows on the right that we have not been willing to touch. We've got to cut the Defense Department. The industrial military complex is crazy. If we just cut the wasteful spending in the Defense Department, you could cut that budget by probably 10 or 15% and get better results. When you're spending literally $700 for a toilet seat, when you're built, when you're a billion dollars over budget on one hospital in the Veterans Administration in Denver, Colorado, a billion dollars over budget, and before it opens, they're saying it's too small to do the job it was built for. There's got to be repercussions. The answer, though, is everybody thinks Congress does a bad job, but everybody reelects their member of Congress. Coming up next hour on Chaos and Clarity, Lawrence B. Jones and Brad Staggs join us. We'll discuss parenting, education, and the chaos that is social justice warriors. Chaos and Clarity. A special presentation. Tower returned to our founding principles could heal our nation. From the Blaze Radio Network. From the order of our founding principles to the disorder of today. It's a brutal a responsibility for last night's vicious terror attack. Driven at speed into a crowd of unsuspecting worshippers. Chaos and clarity. How returning to our founding principles can heal our nation. A special Independence Day presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Chaos and Clarity, a service of the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Doc Thompson. Please follow me on Twitter at Doc Thompson Show. And while you're at it, please follow Lawrence B. Jones 3. 3. Okay, gotcha. From the uh, Blaze. It's crazy. Look around, Lawrence. The world's gone crazy. Constant chaos. Yeah. It didn't used to be this way. I don't know. Uh, Not like this level Maybe of chaos. chaos is there. Maybe the people didn't deal with it. Deal with this. You know, the matters of chaos in this way. There's always been some of it, but yeah, I think it's always... pretty chaotic. Every day it seems like there's something else that it ratchets I mean, up to a different level. I mean, who am I to say it wasn't? I'm, I mean, I'm only 24, so I mean, I'm not going to say that, it, you know, it happened that way. I just feel like there's always been disagreements. Sure. But the way that we deal with those disagreements are much different. Right. It's it's just we live with the the spectacle of it, the angst, the anger, the frustration, as opposed to just we'll have different agreements we'll work, or disagreements and we'll work through Well, the it. anger doesn't bother me. It's the way that you deal with the anger. You mm-hmm. know, the disagreement. I mean, political parties and, uh, you know, individuals with different political philosophies and how we see the world, that's happened for a while. Um, but it, it just seems like the, that the rhetoric has become... Uh, violent. The now uh, there there used to be words. Now is actually actions now, um, and and it doesn't seem like there's a respect for liberty and freedom. Um, you think that that the lack of liberty and freedom? You think that's causing some of the chaos? Yeah, I don't. I don't think people really respect liberty and freedom. I mean, uh, 
one man can have an opinion or a female can have their opinion, but it doesn't mean that I get to kill them or uh, use artistic expression. You can do it, but just the the whole like for example the Shakespeare stuff and and in, in, the in New York City, so you had you had a play yeah, yeah. in uh, Central Park, yeah, where there was a uh, Julius Caesar play being put right. on. And Julius Caesar was represented as Trump. Yeah. And it was now, violent, it was bloody, and right. they showed him. And I'm not friends. saying that they shouldn't. I, see, I respect their freedom to do it. Done, right? But I'm I, I'm just saying, why did you take that route? Like, well, because this you, is the you president had, of the United States. Yeah, so, well, right. So first of all, you had the people doing that. Maybe they shouldn't have done it. Right, right, it's right. your for First Amendment, right? right? right you right. could do that. And the girl that ran on the stage who happened to be a, a Trump supporter a Trump or somebody supporter, on the right was wrong as well. This is something that we criticized the left for doing. And now you have conservative people that are in media saying, oh, you know what? It's fine. It's not a problem because, I mean, she wasn't violent, but she broke the law. She got a citation for it. She was arrested for it. So is that... What is that who we are? I mean, it's totally fine to get on national TV or in front of your house and say, this is wrong. Doing this to the president is wrong. But you know what? I also respect the right to do that. It is artistic. Expression. So it's funny because I look at the people on the left that were putting on the play and I certainly support their right to do it. The right to do it. But Doesn't I didn't mean, support what they did, how yeah. it was represented. Yeah. It was just silly. It was pointless. You weren't accomplishing anything. It really wasn't art. Come on, let's move on. Right, right. But on the other side... I um, support their right to do it, but maybe they shouldn't have done it. Right. And and I think that's my argument. Um, so I, in addition to the liberty thing, there's a lack of consistency from people on the right from years of battling uh, the Obama administration and people supported in the social justice warriors. Yeah. And I talked about this on my radio show before. I, I think for um, now conservatives now, I, I think we're at this crossroad of where we really have to decide who we are and what we support and what we don't support, you know. For a while, we said we were against this and we're for this. We're, we're, and, and it all goes to limited government. Now, it seems like conservative Republicans are saying we're just for the government that we like. And that's not limited government. That's not liberty. That's not freedom, in which we're supposed to be supporting. And so I think we are now, because our guys in there are Republican. Right. You know, are you, uh, are you loyal to your principal or to the man? And I would say my principle. Now, I agree with some of the stuff that the man does. Absolutely. Trump but has I disagree done some good. With, I disagree with some of the stuff he does as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think when it comes to the argument of liberty, for example, the press, all of a sudden they are concerned about the Constitution and the First Amendment. I'm like, <laughs> damn, I didn't know you guys cared about that document. For, I thought for, it was old. <laughs> for eight years, we, what happened <laughs> right. to it? We lost it right. in the back of the drawer. Right. It fell off. And then right. they're like, hey, look what fell behind this crinkly right. yellow piece of paper. Right. And What's he, this? Yeah. I, mean, I thought it was those old white guys. They <laughs> know, wrote right. That, right. Know, them, them, them slave owners. You know? Right, exactly. And so now you have these people. Now they were swell, right? Right, right. right. Now it's all like, that, you know what that document Sally Hemings, forget right, that story. Right. But there is that part where it talks about the press. We get that. You know, and so. Um, you but know, it's so funny because so you have the left. They're being complete hypocrites on this stuff. Right, right. People on the right, complete hypocrites right. about now they're right. doing some of the things they fought right. against. The difference now, though, is for the eight years under Obama and even some of the years under George W. Bush, we talked about principles and values right. like we're doing now, right? It's core right. principles and values. Those founding right. fathers, the ideas, the struggles, the arguments they have, that's our foundation, right. right? We talked about them. But now we, as a movement on the right in general, as a group, have given up 
some of that foundation. Yeah, we have. I mean, take for example, and I don't want to harp on the Dems and the press, but, you know, they talk about the press, freedom of press, constitution, right? The same, First Amendment, all right? That same amendment is freedom of speech, which is what's happening on these college campuses, right. which they're sitting down conservative. Now, they'll highlight all the stories concerning the press because them, they like that part of the constitution mm-hmm. where those old white men, you know, they wrote that part. <laughs> but... When it comes to freedom of speech, they're silent on that. They're silent on the conservatives um, uh, uh, being silenced on campus. So what is clear now? It's the things that help me and that I care about. It's the same amendment, literally the same amendment. They don't even have the audacity to say, you know, I better, I better cover the speech stuff because, right. you know, we just talked about it. I mean, it's literally right. It's almost it's like altogether. no self-awareness. It's like it has to be calculated. I don't don't think think they they care. care. I don't think they care, which is back to my original argument. They don't care about liberty and freedom. So the people of your generation that are on college campuses, because you brought it up, and they're out there saying, yes, I absolutely believe in the First Amendment. Passionately do. But then you're going, well, what about dropping the N-word? What about saying something racist? What about this? What about that? And they're like, well, there's got to be some limitations. You can't say something hateful. My frustration uh, with that is they don't understand in order to protect those freedoms, you have to accept, unfortunately, some stuff you don't like. And I, you know, and, and I, I've all I tried to tell my generation this too, as it relates to the hateful people and the stuff that you don't like. I re- I would prefer the people that are hateful to have the ability to, to speak not only because of freedom of speech, but I just want to be able to identify who the people are. <laughs> there he you is. Know? Ignore like, him. Get away from you me. Know, it's like okay, that's that guy. <laughs> I know what's going on. And what they're trying to do is silence them. And I'm like, guys, look, if these people are hidden, then we don't know who they are. You could be funding a hateful group. Hiding behind an internet name, anything. Exactly. So, uh, you know, this goes back to the whole Confederate flag uh, issue. Um, And I don't think everybody that supports the Confederate flag are racist because some people are loving people and all that. But for me, when I saw a Confederate flag in front of a school, that means you're not welcome here. All right. Right. Especially when you look at the civil rights movement. They used it. They hijacked the flag, and I, we can debate the civil rights, uh, the I mean, the civil war, and all that about the flag and all that. But I prefer to see the guy with the flag then you know. on the car, and then I know, okay, maybe there is, but could be. LBJ, watch out! Make sure that gun is on your hip, you know, so you're prepared to defend yourself, you know. And that's the way I look at it. Don't shut them down. I need to know who they are. So, Lawrence, we just identified the chaos, right? Yeah. What's What's the way out of this? You said it's it's a lack of you know respect for personal freedoms and that, yeah. and uh, you know, lack of understanding and some of this. What's the way forward? What's the clarity? Look, I think it's parenting. I think is taking back the universities. How do you take back the universities? Well, all these parents are paying all this money. For these schools that don't support the values that they instilled into their children. Can we change that? Can we create our own university? That's what I'm for. What do you think is at the heart of the chaos we're facing right now? And how do we get beyond it? What are your solutions? Use the hashtag chaos and clarity and join us on Twitter. It's at Doc Thompson show at Doc Thompson show with the hashtag chaos and clarity. Chaos and clarity. How returning to our founding principles can heal our nation. A special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. This 
is Chaos and Clarity, a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, it's Doc Thompson on Chaos and Clarity. Happy Independence Day. Joining me now at the Blaze, Brad, Brad Staggs. How are you, sir? I am doing well. What's causing the chaos? Each and every day, it's just more chaotic than the day before. It's been building for days and days and years and years. I lay it at the feet of the politicians, but with a caveat. These are the politicians that we, the people, have elected. See, that's the crazy part about this, too. I don't think we can. It's difficult to pinpoint and go after the politicians when you know you're also battling people with different ideas and then all the other fringe stuff that's going on. But ultimately, I mean, we put them there to do good. There are 320 some odd million of us in this country. Uh, That's well over the 226, I think, when I was in sixth grade. You can't get eight people to decide where to have lunch. I don't know. Maybe we go. Is it burgers? Is it barbecue? Multiply that out. And you, by definition, you have chaos with that many people, that many different interests and the splintering of every political party imaginable. You have special interests for everything. And these politicians feed on that. Therefore, there's not a clear goal in mind for either political party. My frustration with this, too, is. Everybody's selfish, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. We all are selfish. We have self-interest, and that's fine on a certain level. We're also you know, called, if you're a Christian or you're a person of other faiths, well, called to do well and help other people out. That's mm-hmm. great. The difference now with the chaos is it, it's like everybody has gone crazy. In the past, people would be selfish and say, I've got these interests, and i got a business, and I'm this, and I'm from this area of the country, and we need money, and we got to do what. And that's fine. It's fine to go in there and argue. The, the Constitution provides for that. Mm-hmm. The, the Congress is for that reason. And we try to squirrel out common ground, not compromise, but things we can all agree on. Right. But we can't all agree on some of the most basic things like term limits and a balanced budget when all of the people do, but we can't get D.C. to do it. The thing is, the government, obviously, is a big machine. It's been a big machine since the the day it was created. Then you have this interface in the middle of the, uh, between the people and the government, the the middlemen, if you will, the the lifetimers, the people who are employed by the government, you know, between administrations. The whole system has started to break down. Um, I was reading an article about the fact that over the years, there is no, there's no cohesion uh, within the parties. They, these people have actually uh, not been able to interface the people to the government. Um, in other words, the, um, the way the process is supposed to work, <laughs> the way that the political parties actually get along with each other, the compromises, those don't seem to work anymore because there are too many of these, like we said, the, the splinter groups, and the inability to actually focus on one thing. Within, it used to be the, the, the Democrats for, for one thing, the Republicans for another. And now even when, within the Republican Party. You don't know what the hell it is. I, I don't even know what I am anymore. <laughs> I, That's, I mean, this Just conversation. The rest of us at work know what you are. I'm, I'm, I'm approaching this from a layman's standpoint. Never been a political junkie. Um, the whole system has been so frustrating to me. And I'm just a Joe Everyday guy. How do you fix this? That's the real question. And I'm not even sure that there's an answer. I'm not even sure it's fixable at this See, point. That, that's what's so frustrating because the Constitution was the answer, is the answer, was the compromise back in the day. Mm-hmm. And now we don't even argue on that platform. It's crazy. It's funny. If you look at 
and I, I do agree. Politicians are a huge yes, part of the problem. To, the DC the two-step. Point. If you go down the list of any of the, the sites, uh, Heritage, Freedom Works, any of these that rate politicians, mm-hmm. their, their service in office, Congress, right. they go, okay, here's their percentage voting record for this. Great. And they, they give them different ratings based on that organization's political views. Mm-hmm. And you look at it and you go, okay. Uh, this politician, they get you know, like a hundred percent across the board. They they did the right thing, right. and this one ninety nine, and they just go down. When you look at Republicans, there are a surprising number of them that get a failing grade. Some of them are below fifty percent. That would make you a Democrat. Yeah. Well, and, and you get, you get that many Republicans that are failing that are Democrats, and how, how come they're still caucusing with the Republicans? Well, and you take any given politician and. For instance, even our president, Republican, Democrat, independent, Democrat, Republican. Mm -hmm. Nobody has a core set of values anymore. They just want to be elected. They just, most of them want the power, in my opinion. Here's the ironic thing about if you flip that around, Mm -hmm. those same sites, you go to, again, Heritage or Mm -hmm. Freedom Works or any of these, and you look at the Democrats, because if you do the 180, a zero would be perfect for them for progressives, and a hundred would be a fail for them. You flip it around. There are no Democrats that would get a failing grade. Right. So the left, for whatever the reason, and I think it's just because progressivism is all about the the craziest extreme ideas, and then they all start supporting each other's crazy extreme ideas because it's just fighting against the other side. Yeah. They don't fail. They do not compromise the same well the way the Republicans do. They don't have to. The arguments are all about feeling. The arguments are uh, all about the way that you feel. And it's about not offending. It's about how much you care or don't care. It doesn't involve logic. The Republicans used to uh, invoke logic and thought and hard work. And now it's come down to money and voting blocks. So an article uh, at Lanterns, a website called Lanterns, mm-hmm. the, the, and it, this was based on a conservative review article of the top 25 rhinos in Congress. Mm-hmm. Number one, Paul Ryan. Hmm. He's Speaker of the House. He control. Do you know the power the Speaker of the House has? Exactly. And he sets policy. We're at a time when the Republicans, so-called conservatives, control both the House of Representatives, the Senate, and the White House. This is the time to do all of those things we've wanted done for eight years. Which proves they didn't want them done. If they'd wanted any of this legislation passed, vetoed, it would have been done by now. It is proof that both sides of the aisle, other than coming out and speaking to the cameras, they go back and have lunch together. Paul Ryan has been in office 18 years. Mm-hmm. John McCain, senator from Arizona, he's number two on the list of rhinos. He's been in office 30 years. Lisa Murkowski, senator from, Arkans- uh, from Alaska, 14 years in D.C. Lindsey Graham, senator from South Carolina, 14 years in D.C., Thad Cochran, number five, senator from Mississippi. From Mississippi, 38 years he's been there. Mitch McConnell, uh, the the head of the party in the Senate, right? Senate majority leader, mm-hmm. he makes the list. Number six, again, setting policy for the Senate. He's been there 32 years. Orrin Hatch from Utah, should be very conservative state. He's been there 40 years, comes in seventh on the list. Number eight, Kevin McCarthy, representative from California and leadership in the House, 10 years. And then rounding out the top 10, 
You got uh, Lamar Alexander, the senator from Tennessee, mm-hmm. 14 years, and Bob Corker from Tennessee, 10 years. It was never designed to be that way. We all know from our civics lessons that we were supposed to, as government uh, elected officials, go to Washington, do our two years, do our four years, return home, return to our businesses, return to our families. They have turned the entire system upside down, which is, again, over the years, over the decades, led to the chaos that we see today. We've broken the system. Rob Portman, the senator from Ohio, comes in 19th on the list of biggest rhinos out of 535. There's an interesting story. For years, he voted against gay marriage. He didn't support it. And then prior to the Supreme Court ruling, he had this revelation that he's now going to support gay marriage. Why? Because his son came out of the closet. Mm -hmm. Now, that's fine if you want to support your son. Why didn't you think about other people's? And I'm not arguing gay marriage here. I'm saying, why didn't you support it or get those people prior to? And then now that your son comes out, suddenly because you know one that's close Mm -hmm. to you, you're going to support it. Where were you saying that the government shouldn't be telling people who can get married? This is not about his son. This is about the way the wind is blowing now. This is about him following and looking at the polls and just wanting to hold on to his So power. the solution is holding them accountable at the ballot box and following the Constitution. Yes. Now, the problem is, we put them in Washington, they, nine times out of ten, will do the opposite of what we elected them to do. Absolutely. So how do we get the money out of campaigns? We'll discuss that coming up on Chaos and Clarity. Chaos and Clarity. A special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Blaze Radio Network. This is Chaos and Clarity, hosted by Doc Thompson. Happy Independence Day. I'm Doc Thompson. Joining me now from theblaze.com, Sarah Gonzalez. Sarah, why is the world so chaotic? So I guess my initial inclination is to say the world is super chaotic, specifically America, because... You have a government who, you know, it was created, the Constitution gave the government certain limits on what it was supposed to be there for and, you know, what limits it had. Um, You know, we have the different branches. And here we see the Constitution is still in place, but the government has far overextended its reach. And yet we're debating all of that. Yes, on whether or not it should actually happen. It's already written right there. We already see, no, none of this should be happening. But yet it still continues to grow and grow and grow. And you see a certain level of unrest in all these individuals who are like, my liberties and my rights are being taken away and I can't do anything about it. You got uh, Obamacare, which should have been completely gone. Instead, we got the American Health Care Act. Yes. Yeah. Obamacare light. (laughs) Right. Obamacare light. And now, you know, we have um, everything is in flux. You have immigration where people are upset that there are other people who are able to come into our country. And for instance, here in Texas, an illegal immigrant is able to get in-state tuition um, and what? get that. That is so crazy when I hear this too. Yes, your their argument is, and it's like this in in a handful of states too. Uh, where you're arguing, or you are illegal, yes. and you're arguing, but you're a resident, right. but you're not 
a legal resident. This right. is like me saying, Sarah, I live at your house yes. illegally. Yes. I am squatting I'm in your squatting. living room, so I should have access to the, the refrigerator. Right. And by the way, go pick up more pizza rolls. <laughs> I get to tell you to do this, right? Yeah. I mean, I just think that there is this certain level of there's are the people who are very entitled because they think that, you know, this government, all it's doing in their generation is growing and growing and growing. So they think, I'm entitled to all of these things that the government's giving me. And then there are people who are saying this isn't right. This isn't what government was created for. And, you know, they're mad about it. They're angry. And so you have this discord among these different facets. One of my frustrations is some of these issues you brought up. So we talked about healthcare. We talked about immigration. These are both things that should be pretty easy based on the campaigning of Donald Trump, based on the eight years of Barack Obama and everybody who voted Republican in the last election. Why the debate on those? Why the fail? Trump gets aces across the board for his Supreme Court nomination. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. That was great. Right. And some bonus points for some things eh, here and there that he's done. But these other issues are major fails. These are big issues. Healthcare and immigration were two cornerstones of his campaign and a whole lot of people in Congress that campaigned during that election for themselves. Well, I mean, I think that that's what you get when you have campaign promises, which you can't follow through on them. For instance, you know, you can't promise that another country is going to pay for a border wall <laughs> when you haven't even had that negotiation with that country. So it's these things that and we I think that we heard this a lot with Obama is that they sound really good. It's mm. it just like the health care, yeah. Obamacare. We're going to provide health care to all these people. They're not going to be dying in the street. This is great. Right. But it, in actuality, it doesn't really work. But it sounds really good. How are you going to do it? Right. Which is the reason you have to have the track record. You have to look at character and you have to look at track record of people, right? I mean, yes. when you're voting, this is this is paramount. Yes, yes. And well, right. And then so if you do look back and look at Trump's track record and his history, it's mostly on the Democrat side. So, you know, I mean, I think that these people, they they wanted to believe that he was this reformed. And Hillary, reformed and Hillary is such a failure yes. as a politician and as a human being, in my opinion, <laughs> that she's absolutely somebody you can't support. So you had a right. lot of people, obviously, you know, the lesser of two right. evils thing. Um, and just to clarify, I don't hate Donald Trump. I still give him, you know, a better than average record in this whole thing so far. And he was clearly better than Hillary without yes. that. But we've got to be consistent in. And calling his fouls as well. Absolutely. And there have been plenty of them. Um, but like you said, cheer him when he deserves cheering. Yes. He deserves praise. But, I mean, we have to we have to stick to principles here. That There were so many people who were so upset because Barack Obama was doing so many things that were going against their principles. And now you have Trump who could literally be doing the exact same thing. And all of a sudden they would turn it and twist it to tell you, well, I mean, it's okay under these specific circumstances. <laughs> right, it's right. amazing what a football game politics has become. It's, yeah, just, it's that all is about a, winning. That's a great else. analogy. You're right, because as we look at sports, too, we are rabid about our teams. We we are fanatics. Yes. And there's no reason we like them over somebody else. I mean, well, well, actually, I like the Dallas Cowboys the most because they are America's team. So <laughs> that's my reason. Are they all from Dallas? Well, that's besides the point, Doc. <laughs> but do you see what I mean? You don't need to bring that so up. So you bring people that's from all details. over. I sadly am a Cleveland fan. They're not all from Cleveland. It doesn't do me any good. There's no connection. It's just a business that operates there. But we get fanatical about yes. this stuff. And that's how we are. We excuse stuff away. Bad behavior. You get a bad um, character playing for your team. Right. And you're like, wow, and you keep excusing away. He's been in 14, you know, drug raids. He beats the hell out of his wife. He's been arrested. And you're like, wow. Well, you listen, know. he 
was having a hard time. Hard time, and he's really good. He goes to another team. That dirtbag, he's got to be arrested. <laughs> put him in jail. Right? That's that's what yes. that's what we are now. That's what we have become, and I think that contributes to a lot of the chaos as well. Well, we and we start off talking about the Constitution. So there's there's the corner. There's the cornerstone. There's yes. the 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 basic principles right there. How do we then, and here's the solution moment, how do we get those people, even some of them that I can't believe are carrying water for people and for legislation and ideas that they fought against during Obama, that I marched next to as part of Tea Partiers, how do I get them to understand? I used to worry about trying to get the left to understand. Right, yeah. This This is more about people that are supposedly on my side. So this is, I guess, I'm going to sound super optimistic when I say that. I think we all have to hit rock bottom. Wow. (laughs) You had me going there. I was like, oh, good, a bit of optimism. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, I I really do because I think that we're in a state right now where everything that happens, every little thing that happens, people are going to pick apart and they're going to choose to get more angry about. And the only way to kind of reset all of that is that we just have to hit rock bottom, not just as a party, but kind of as a nation to then we have to come together and learn how to work with each other instead of just getting angry and always being worried about winning. Well, and I think, you know, when you suffer, you start prioritizing stuff. You You start putting stuff in perspective. Sarah Gonzalez, thanks for coming in. What's how can people find you on social media? Uh, Sarah Gonzalez, that's no H and G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S-T-X. And don't forget on Twitter to use the hashtag chaos and clarity. More coming up next. Chaos and clarity. How returning to our founding principles can heal our nation. The Blaze Radio Network. Chaos and Clarity now returns. Identifying the chaos, the problems surrounding all of the chaos we experience every day in our world, and trying to find clarity and a way out. Joined by StuntBrain, at StuntBrain on Twitter, Mike Opalka from the Blaze Radio Network. I see money as definitely a problem. That's causing chaos all across the country, but specifically when it comes to Washington, D.C., yeah, there's not enough money being funneled into Washington, D.C. There <laughs> may be too much money or uh, they're relying some, on money. Some places, yeah. You know, Doc, there was a time that I wondered if we shouldn't change the compensation package for the president. If we shouldn't make, and I threw out some wild theories. For, for example, at one point I thought the president of the United States should be paid as much as the highest paid athlete in the country is paid. For example, you can hit a curveball, mm-hmm. you're going to make $20 million a year. Right. You know, you can, you can catch a pass and run down the field in four seconds. You're going to make five. Six. Why is the president so underpaid? He's the most powerful man in the world. Yes, he's got all the perks. He's got the plane. He doesn't have to put the gas in the plane, et cetera. <laughs> but the president is relatively low on the totem pole in terms of earnings, so would that change who we get to run for the office? Because I thought part of the problem with, who's le- with the chaos and the confusion and all that stuff is who's leading us. And if we get better leaders, will we have better leadership? You know, D-Day was uh, back in June, the early part of June, June 6th. 
And I read over Eisenhower's statement before D-Day, before the invasion. It's incredible. It's amazing. And he talks about taking responsibility. If anything goes wrong, anything happens here, it's on me. That's a leader. That's a guy who really knew the benefit of of uh, his own belief in himself and the trust in in his his ability to lead and knowing that if you take responsibility if you truly are a leader that the people will follow you and they'll understand your mission etc so uh, we we've just developed a a class a cult of political celebrity that is now there but we haven't given them the money so i thought well is that is that the difference could we could we maybe make it a little more lucrative and then I thought, no, because they all say, I'll deal with four years. I'll get by on $400,000 a year for four Struggle. years. Struggle. It's going to yeah. be tough. And you'll leave the White House dead broke. And then you'll get all those uh, benefits <coughs> of the book deals, et cetera, et cetera. For, for God's sakes, Bernie Sanders even got an $800,000 advance on his right. book. A socialist. But I think the problem is not so much what we're paying the politicians, because they'll get by. They'll they'll make it through. They'll muddle through. <laughs> it's campaign finance. It's the money. And I'll give you the example is Georgia. When we look at the 6th district in Georgia, which was the the disputed district between this unknown democrat and John Ossoff and Karen Handel. And that was the, the district that Tom Price was in before yes. he vacated it to go to serve with to the To be on the Ossoff. cabinet. Right. Yeah. So you, you've got a district that has been turning because it, it was only won by two points by Trump. And you've got the Democrats who want that district so badly, who crave that district so badly, they put $20 million into it, into a runoff election, into one congressional district. For, for a district. job that pays 175000 a year. Let's think of the wisdom there. If that's not an example of what's wrong with government right now, then you're never going to understand it. That means you you have to be banking that you're going to be able to make twenty million off of right. that seat if you put twenty million in, right? Whether it's a congressman or everybody backing him, you are going to have to work about thirty seven years to make that money back. If you're just saying I'm making one hundred seventy five thousand dollars a year and I'm going to live on about thirty and I'm going to put the rest in a CD, <laughs> you're going to have to you're going to have to work a long time, and that's spending no other money. So it makes no sense. So what has happened here? His money and the campaign finance issue has corrupted politics, I think, beyond anyone's understanding. The money is so large. And, you know, Citizens United, the Supreme Court decision that recognized corporate donations are on the same level as individual donations, uh, it has some flaws, and, and both sides have abused it while both sides have pointed at it and go, that's wrong, that's wrong, but we're not going to do anything about it. But it is wrong, and that's the money has corrupted more than I think any of us have even wrapped our heads around it in ways we we don't even know about because it's so twisted and convoluted. So what's the solution, Mike? How do you how do you uh, change the money? Lots of people said you know campaign finance, but how do you do it that still protects our rights and makes the system better? You and I and and I've only spent a little time thinking about this. You have to almost go back to square one on this. And go back to zero basing it. And do we do a government-funded campaign where every candidate gets the same amount of money and the citizens pay for it? And then ultimately, the citizens will decide. It certainly levels the playing field. And it takes the one thing that so many liberals are so mad about every time you talk to them. Corporate money is ruining politics. 
If I hear the Koch brothers' name one more time out of Chuck Schumer's mouth... They don't mind special interest when it comes from certain funds and grants and people, sure. right? They're okay with that, so they're not being consistent. So you remove all the money out of it, and you make it, everybody's got the same pie. Everybody, if we're going to truly have elections that are free and fair, what we're going to do is take a chunk of money out of the tax pool... And we're going to say this is going to be split up. And, of course, you're going to have to break it down to congressional districts and states. And there's going to have to be allocations. There's still going to have to be some limits on who gets through the primaries. But, you know, I think you're on to something here because it doesn't even have to be that much money if we do it right. First of all, the reason, you know, when Trump got elected, was it a... A billion? How much was spent now? The last couple, it was into the billion? Yeah, it was over a billion dollars. Okay, so you're now entering the billion. It doesn't have to be. It's only that money because they're battling it out. Once you get it under control and it's limited, you won't have to spend that much money per candidate. But now with technology, Mike, most of that could be done online. Listen, And, and candidates, Trump, Trump showed us that. Right. Well, I mean, but I mean, if we were to set this up as, you know, every candidate gets a certain amount of time and whatever, we say we're going to put up a website for everybody, answer these questions. Here's how you can comment on it. So you don't need as much advertising even. Just build them all a website. And the networks who, who basically have... Um, the networks have stood up and said, look, we're making money off these elections. They're not just making money in the lead up to the elections, but they make money from the debate coverage. They make money from the campaign commercials. They generate money from this. If you told the networks, this gravy train is falling off the tracks. From now on, when we have elections, you're going to give 10 hours a month to political coverage. You're going to split it between the candidates you have to make do with that. The rest of the time, you do whatever you want. You think you're going to see as much crap on TV? You're going to see as much hokum, much coverage of stuff that isn't news and it's portrayed as political news? No. They're going to allocate that time just as they would if you said, here's an ounce of gold. You can spend it however you want. The time is valuable. We need to take the money aspect out of the politics and you'll find better solutions. I think you're on to something. I don't like the idea of, of telling the, you know, the networks, the libertarian in me. I just think you could do most of it online and say, if we're going to have a debate, whatever network wants to cover it, you can cover it. Or you could just watch the feed from Government Central. Well, I think there's a way to handle it that way, too. We have to talk about it. And that's where we'll get going on this. Thanks, Mike. Coming up next hour on Chaos and Clarity, accountability, or a lack thereof, partisan politics and transparency. Chaos and Clarity. A special presentation, Tower Return to Our Founding Principles Could Heal Our Nation, from the Blaze Radio Network. From the order of our founding principles, to the disorder of today, it's a brutal a responsibility for last night's vicious terror attack. Driven at speed into a crowd of unsuspecting worshippers. Chaos and clarity. How returning to our founding principles can heal our nation. A special Independence Day presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Chaos and Clarity, a service of the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Doc Thompson, along with Pat Stu and Jeffy from the Blaze Radio Network. Yay! Yay us! Yay us! Yay! We're awesome. Those guys are so good. I love that show. All right, how come every day it's constant chaos? It didn't feel like it used to be that way, and now it feels like every day I get up and it's constant chaos. I think a couple of reasons. Number one, Jeffy. 
uh, <laughs> you know, him being alive and, and interacting Very with fair. others is, is really hurts our culture. Um, but I, I think we have really crossed a weird line over the past few years, which, I mean, I remember back in 2004, for example, John Kerry comes out and he remember this whole thing with military funding and he voted for the military funding before he voted against it. <laughs> right, Do you remember this moment? Right, right. I mean, it was played yeah. constantly. And that actually hurt him. It really yeah, hurt it him. It basically it sunk now. his campaign. Yeah. You take every side of every issue. That's a good thing now. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, the idea that you have to stick to what you said yesterday is foreign to <laughs> it's our like, culture. It's like the Alex Jones thing. <laughs> well, didn't you say the Sandy Hook didn't happen? Well, yeah, I, I did, but now uh, I said that then, and then I said uh, devil's advocate, and, and then I said it did happen. So I said it didn't, it did, and it might have. I've taken every side. How so, can I be wrong? Yeah. You can't be wrong that way. And, and there doesn't seem to be a punishment for that no. anymore. So it's a lack of consequence to things, yeah. no, well, no accountability. Plus there's just sheer moral degradation. Can yeah. we just admit that? Yeah. Just think moral degradation. True. I mean, Is that what's causing chaos? Because yeah. I'm... Oh. Well, we already like cited Stu you. Stu said, first, you, <laughs> which are the moral degradation. In fact, his, his uh, nickname is actually Moral, moral Degradation. degradation That's is, at Moral uh, Degradation yeah. on Twitter. No, it's funny because if you'd asked me 25 years ago, say, okay, in the future... We're going to be connected this way. And there's going to be a camera everywhere. Anything you say as a as a public figure is going to be recorded. I would have said, "Wow, that's going to be great." There's going to be such accountability. Yeah, it's actually. The, I think it's really <laughs> right? the opposite. I think I think uh-huh. you're really onto something there, though, because I think um, with social media and stuff, there used to be those moments like John Kerry. It was a big moment. Holy crap! This guy got caught on tape <laughs> saying both things. That's right. Now it's. Five, six, ten times a day on Twitter, you'll see people saying something, and someone will, hey, look at this tweet from two years ago. It's the exact opposite. And nobody cares. You know, we go out and we spend money every day at a grocery store, at a gas station, anywhere, anywhere. Jeffy, about 45 fast food restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hand dollars to people, mm-hmm. and they, in exchange, give us goods. And the reason for that is we've assigned value to that currency, right? The current, the uh, truth principled behavior um having the same opinion as did last week no longer has value as a currency it doesn't matter to anyone so everything seems like everybody is saying the opposite thing that they said two weeks ago and you can't keep track of it anymore it feels chaotic that's the moral degradation though too right technology has kind of pushed that yeah well yeah technology pushes it and this devolution of society uh, and um i think when you you know, and I guess I keep he, looking at you, Jeffy. Sorry, I, I can't help it. <laughs> I, I mean, we've we've gone out of our way to eliminate um, God from society, and it's it's really affecting our society. You know, they people used to say, "Well, what does it matter if the Ten Commandments aren't on display? That doesn't change my belief system." Well, look what's happened since we eliminated prayer from school. Uh, Ten Commandments monuments from city halls. You take Christmas and Christ out of Christmas and all of those things, and pretty soon you're an amoral society. Yeah, we had uh, David Barton on, uh, and he, he was talking about some of the polling they've been doing about you know millennials and, and, and people in general. And what they're finding in these polls is that the overwhelming majority of people do not believe there is an absolute truth. It's not that they don't agree on what the absolute truth is. <laughs> and, and where does absolute they don't agree truth that it exists? Uh, absolute right. truth yeah. comes from God. So if there's if there's no God, there's no absolute truth. Yeah. And so that's been an effective tool. 
of uh, progressives. It's so funny because people that have argued that uh, about, you know, well, morals, it's subjective and all of this stuff. And we got to get rid of all of that stuff. I just saw a story. Some of those people on the left are suggesting now that as AI develops, we are going to need to teach AI morality because it'll have a different... <laughs> Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Humans don't need it, but we got to make sure AI. Right. Oh, man. It's kind of scary because Mm. I, I, you know, you look at not only what the problem is, but how to solve it. And and what is the solution when words, arguments, actions don't matter? You know, these things don't, they don't seem to even be part of the puzzle uh, of a decision-making process for so many Americans. So there's no absolute truth. Words uh, don't Mm. matter. Mm-hmm. Actions mm-hmm. don't matter. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. let's solve the problem. We've, <laughs> <Right>. We've <laughs> clarified chaos. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no foundation. Right. There's nothing to, uh, to. There's nothing we can agree on. There's nothing that you could say. Okay, this def- you definitely have to do X, Y, or Z. When people don't believe that there's even an absolute truth, when there's anybody bigger than you holding you accountable, even if you don't believe in God, something that's holding you to some sort of foundation. Without that, where do you go? We tend to believe though that most Americans agree. On the Constitution, that that should be our frame of reference for virtually everything we talk about. Because if if we can show how far we've strayed from the Constitution, and then it's 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 being destroyed by some of the things we're now doing and allowing to happen, uh, and if we can bring people back to um, insist that the Constitution be upheld, I think we have a chance then. Um, and, and when you bring them back to the Constitution, you can also bring them back to the fact that, that our founders based all of this on their belief in God. I mean, the Ten Commandments and, and the Bible played a huge role in that. And um, there's just, there's, I, I don't know that there's any other way than to somehow bring Americans back to that absolute truth. It's kind of like it's kind of natural law. It's kind of like a diet, right? You gain a bunch of weight and you want to lose it really fast, but you can't. Yeah. So we've for years now we've taken away God and the Bible and the Ten Commandments. We've taken away all that, and now it's forty or fifty or sixty years later, and we've seen the consequences. It's not going to change overnight. Get on that biblical treadmill. Yeah, it's one pound at a time, time, one verse at a time. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, one of the sort of things a lot of people look for solutions in the realm of politics, and that's understandable. Um, one of the things in that general realm that we've talked a lot about uh, is the Convention of States. Um, you know, here's something where there are basic limitations on federal government power, basic limitations and things that hold people actually accountable that 80, 90 percent of people across the aisle agree with. Things like term limits, for example, things like a ballot budget. Those amendment. are so simple. These are simple, easy things that everybody wants. And the only people who don't want them are the people who have been elected and have the power to do it. And that's why the Convention uh-huh. of States exists. This goes back to the Constitution. It's in there for a reason. It was not in there like, oh, well, you're never going to need this, but we'll throw it in there just in case. No, this is, if you need it, this is a, an emergency uh, glass to break and to pull the, the alarm and, and, and be able to do these things without the, the morons in Washington getting in your it's way. It's interesting, though, because we've we got to bring both sides of the aisle to that you got to drag drag them kicking and screaming because republicans or conservatives especially really conservative conservatives are they have that knee-jerk reaction that oh if you open up a constitutional convention or a constitutional uh convention of states um then they're going to bring in gun control then they're going to bring in uh whatever to strengthen abortion or whatever the the fears may be 
And we got to help them understand that that's almost impossible. It's that's not going to happen because 38 states are not going to vote uh, your yeah. guns away from you. It's not going to happen. No, never. Um, and you can control the const- You can control the the convention and keep it limited to a certain amount of a certain number of things. And only those things. Yeah, I think you really honestly could start with really basic things that limit, you know. Term limits is a great one. Term limits is a great one. I mean, you see the polling on it. It's insane. There are very few things in the entire lexicon of of America. In fact, there's only 535 people who don't support it in the entire 330 (laughs) million country, right? Everybody else is on board, right? (laughs) It's really true. And we just keep sending those 535 people back to office to keep opposing it. It's (laughs) amazing. All right. On Twitter, it's at Pat and Stew. At Pat and Stew. At World of Stew from me personally at jeffy mra mm-hmm. and don't forget to use the hashtag chaos and clarity coming up next the chaos that is partisan politics chaos and clarity a special presentation how a return to our founding principles could heal our nation from the blaze radio network Chaos and Clarity from the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Chaos and Clarity. Our founding principles will heal our nation. It's Doc Thompson along with Mike Broomhead from KFYI Radio in Phoenix. First of all, how can people reach you on social media? Um, On Twitter, I am at Broomhead Show. Uh, Mike Broomhead, just all one word on Instagram or the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook. So talking about constitutional principles, I mean, every day we wake up and the world seems crazier and crazier, and we know constitutional principles are the way back, the the ultimate solution. But tell me about some of our biggest failures. What's leading to the chaos right now? I think I think the chaos happens because of partisan politics has turned into a popularity contest. I think if you are a Democrat, Hillary Clinton has been an icon in your party for so long and you're going to defend her to the death even when you know she's dead wrong. Instead of just saying what she did was wrong, I don't like saying it, and I respect her. On the other side of this, um, when I was critical, and I know you have been as well, of candidate Trump, and then some things that President Trump, Trump has said or done, we're labeled a traitor by people in our on our side of the aisle, whether it's Republican or conservative. And I think that's where we're wrong. I think that if we are really principled in what's happening— We've got to look at the principles and say either it fits or it doesn't, no matter who it is. So left, right, it doesn't matter. We got to ch- and I look at the three fronts here. First of all, ideology. You know what? What are the right sure. ideas and values? Number two, we're also battling the the party boys. The you're in one camp or the other. That's it's like being a sports fan. Well, I'm a D bag fan, so forget uh, you know whatever. Or I'm a uh, Browns fan or whatever, so I'm just locked into that team. Doesn't matter oh, what they do. I feel for you, by the way, brother. Yeah, I, I know mean, it's geez. horrible. Browns and the Indians. They've outlawed. I think they've outlawed wins in Cleveland for the Browns, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so uh, and then third is the inside the Beltway. That right. you've got those parties. So we've actually got three fronts that we're trying to we're trying to have the better ideas and values and have discussions. Which, if you're not a party boy, if you're not one of those people that are just locked into a party, you should be willing to have these intellectual discussions. And I think it excludes a lot of people because for someone like you and I that do this for a living, we're immersed in it. We talk with people that are immersed in it. And so for them, it is a passionate very important topic. The average person in this world, if you think of it as a sports stadium. You go to a football game. Uh, Cardinal Stadium has been sold out every since they built this new stadium. 
there are casual fans that know that it's offense or defense on the field but couldn't name three players <laughs> right, on the right. team. But they're there in the jerseys, and they're there to applaud for the Cardinals. Right. And you got other people that knows the entire roster and the history of the team. And if the ones that are there every week are the big diehard fans, look at the casual fans and say, oh, get out of here. You know, you only show up because we're winning. Well, then you're going to have an empty stadium. But at the same time, they're all there to be fans. And that's the way the, ca- the person is when it comes to voting in politics in America. They're interested. They may not be as immersed as us, and they certainly aren't as partisan because they don't have the same loyalty we do those are the people that need to be engaged those are the ones that are going to make the differences i, think. I see a lack of consistency though oh I yeah see across the board oh absolutely you you have the hardline defenders no matter what is said or done um hillary clinton in the emails i you know i have a friend who just posted about the latest thing that's come out about the leaker the uh, what's her name winner um oh, uh the reality winner. lee winner reality lee winner um, and he said, if she would did this, she should be in trouble. But what about the information she leaked and the irrefutable proof that they rushed, tried to hack our elections? And I was shocked because this guy is smart. I said, what about Hillary Clinton and the irrefutable proof that was out in the emails? No one wanted to look at it. Why? Because it came from the Russians. Right, 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 right. But now we're supposed to pay attention to this with right, the Russians. Right, so, right. Um, and there's consistency that needs to be had on both sides. If Donald Trump's camp colluded with the Russians to, to change our elections or, or influence our elections, we deserve to know, and there should be re- retributions, especially at the voting booth next time around. No it, doubt about that. It's morally wrong and possibly illegal. Right. right. And you think if, if we are going to work with another country to influence our elections, I'm not going to use the word treason in the classic sense, but it is going against the American principle sure. of letting the American people decide our elections. I've said that consistently from the beginning. That doesn't mean if it was the truth that I'm going to love going on the air and talking about it and hearing the I told you so's from people. <laughs> right, right. But you're not intellectually honest if you don't say it. And they do that with the Hillary Clinton in the emails. They said she wasn't convicted and it came from the Russians. It shouldn't count. Well, the funny thing is, it, they both have to do with Russia. Right. And they're kind of tied together all the way back with, when you remember uh, the book that lays out uh, the benefactors from Russia and the mines right. and the, the uranium and everything else. Yes, she was involved with the Russians potentially as much. I said we need bo- more information and investigation on both of them. Absolutely. I mean, and we need good information to make good choices. And, and I think consistently then we make choices and we understand that there are going to be times there are people that we like and respect very much that we disagree with. I was disappointed in the last couple of years of the uh, H, uh, George W. Bush presidency. Right. I was on the stump in 04 for the president. I've met him on three occasions. I love George W. Bush. I think he is a great man personally. But intellectually being honest, the last couple of years, we all were disappointed. We saw what happened to the economy. We saw things that went on there. So we all had things, and we had to say this is accurately, in my opinion, is a mistake. I'm with you 100%. I, for about right after he got reelected, I was really on board with several major failures, Uh, realigning the government, creating a whole new agency, Uh, support for illegals. I mean, and then then TARP. I mean, there were a lot of failures as a libertarian conservative person. And I talked about those things. And I was beat up on the air by people who primarily were conservative listeners. And then it was amazing that last year they all clued in and were like, TARP, what's this? They started Tea Party movements and they understood all that. And I was like... Do you remember me? I was consistent back. Yeah. Then Obama gets in, and I criticize him, and they're like, oh, you're just siding with the Republicans. Yeah, well, yeah, where were you? <laughs> yeah, listen to what I was saying before. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. It, it's I was a defender of the Patriot Act when it first happened. 
And I had people like yourself, uh, very conservative people, saying the unintended consequences of giving the government this kind of surveillance power. And I defended the whole thing about inbound calls from other sure. countries. And I was, and then I saw what was happening. And I had to go on the air and say, listen, I was 100% wrong. And if you're not willing to do that on both sides of the aisle, I think you lose credibility. I'll be honest. Right now, CNN has zero credibility. They are in 100% in the tank to destroy this president. Um, the headline that says he gets two scoops of ice cream when everybody else gets one. Is that, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? They did a story. Right. Uh, they did a story um, recently on their website where they went into the church he attended as a little boy and went to Sunday school to ask people what Donald Trump was like in Sunday school. When you're doing those kinds of things, it's obvious you're just out with an agenda to destroy somebody. That's not reporting. That's not consistency. That's not intellectual honesty. That's an agenda. So we know this is going to end up bad if we don't if we don't fix some things. And there's this is a tough one. We are in a, in tough times. This is unprecedented. So what are the solutions? How do we fix some of these uh, lack of consistencies with most people, both left and right? How do we make them intellectually honest? I think from our side of the aisle, from my point of view, I have to look at people that are on the side, left wing side of the aisle and believe that they want what's best. I may completely disagree with, A, what they believe is best or how to get there. So give them the benefit of the doubt up front. About what their desires are. Right, their, their motivations right. for most people. And then we have to explain to them in a way that they understand our motivations come from there as well. On the right to life issue, I'm not trying to create laws and, and control women's bodies. Women are my hero. My mom is my hero. I raised two girls. I want them to make choices. They have a right to choose what they do with their body. But... What the issue is, I believe it's a human life, and that's where the core belief comes from. And trying to convince somebody that's pro-choice that I'm not going to shout baby killer at somebody, I'm not going to call someone a murderer, but I do disagree and believe it's a human life and it deserves to be protected. We may never agree, but at least we can get some mutual respect where I'm not calling them names and they don't think I'm trying to control women even though I'm a man. Or trying to, in a subversive way... By discussing it with them, you know, uh, balance things in my favor, sneak right. some law in no, or something. Because let's in, be honest, inevitably the, the the rape is going to come in. Question is going to come sure. in. Inset, you know, and then you and I. How do I answer that question? How can I? You know, my core belief is it's still a human life. But how do I say to a, a girl that's been sexually assaulted, you have to carry that child to term? You're asking me to answer a moral question that I'm telling you as honestly as I can. I cannot answer. I understand. But that's what makes our system so wonderful, is that we can and should engage in civil discourse. That's one of our founding principles, and that's one of the ways we're going to get through all of this mess. Chaos and Clarity. A special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Chaos and Clarity, a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Hi, it's Doc Thompson from the Blaze Radio Network. If you want to find out more about me, go to theblaze.com slash doc. You can listen to all the podcasts I have up, theblaze.com slash doc. So we've been trying to identify 
some of the reasons behind all of the chaos, all of the turbulence you feel every day, and try to identify some of the core principles and solutions based on those principles that will get us out of the mess. So what's at the heart of it? Jeff Fisher joins me now from the Blaze Radio Network. Jeffy, what's driving most of the chaos? It seems like people just don't know what to do with themselves anymore. They just don't know. So somebody either has to do it for them, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's where we have so many people fighting and voting for socialism and uh, they want to be, they want to be taken care of or they want to be, uh, look, I can do it on my own. Leave me alone. You don't need to do anything for me. Even though you keep coming into my face, telling me (laughs) that you can do it all for me. Just leave me alone. So it just seems like people don't know what to do anymore. We've talked about, um, or a couple months ago, a month and a half ago, something like that. We were talking about, um, the valedictorians in high schools and why they have so many now. It isn't just one because of they don't want to have anybody's feelings hurt and they don't want to have the competition between the kids and everything. But in real life, that competition is there. So when you get out of the real world and you realize that, you know, that competition, that's really here and people really expect me to do something, no, <laughs> and we're going to chant. I want the government to do it for me. Someone's got to level the playing field because I should be that valedictorian in real life at my new job. I should be a valedictorian. Right. And if I'm not, we need big brother, it's, big dad to step in. It's unbelievable. I was looking at uh, a survey about uh, incivility and the what perception mean by that incivility. I mean, just how people treat each other. Right. I mean, people treat each other so different. Uh, I, I'm. When when we go out and you open the door for someone and you and they say and they just walk in without a thank you, I mean, is it incivil to just say you're welcome? Is it incivil to do that? I think you know. I think really it kind of is. But the point is, look, does it, they does it cost first? you anything to say thank you to someone? Does the obligatory it hurt you? Well, see, even you, the obligatory. Uh, you don't mean it. If it's obligatory, you don't really mean it, mm-hmm. right? You just, oh, I have to say that. But is it worse Christmas, when you don't get it? You, too. you let yes. someone in in traffic, and they don't even give you the, the wave Just back. a wave. Just, just a that little. little. And you're like, oh, you know, wow. you're, thank you, too. You're welcome. <laughs> right? I mean, and you're and you're mad. <laughs> you're mad. And, and then you, and I find myself being mad for, so, for a little while, and I'm like, all right, stop being mad over that. I mean, that's just dumb. Right, I'll be four miles down the road, and I'll be going to my wife. You saw him, right? You saw that, right? You saw there he goes. He there he goes. He just got right off there. on that there exit right there. Right He's there. going that he way. He didn't have to get over when he got over, right? <laughs> He's going there, right there. Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to look at him. <laughs> no. I know he's going to look back at me, but he knows I'm thinking about him. <laughs> he knows. He knows he did me wrong. Right? right I mean, it's right. ridiculous. <laughs> but that's the beginning of. It. I mean, that's the that's a small part of it. I, I know. But really, no, no, it's think, people treating each other. Well, with, I don't think we give each other the benefit of the doubt. Like we tell you left versus right, right? The left is convinced that anybody on the right hates everybody else and wants them to die. No matter what. Right. No matter what. And uh, then we had uh, the Scalise shooting, and uh, we're supposed to, everyone thought that we were going to at least come down off the, the, uh, the hate of you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. 
Trump bad, Hillary bad, Hillary should have been president, Trump's president, he's bad, Trump should have never been president, neither should have Hillary, Bernie should have been president, you suck, we need that, right? I mean, with with the shooting, which was horrific, uh, you think, well, we're going to come back down off of that. And even people that said, okay, we need to calm the rhetoric down, when they said it, you were like, I don't really believe you, I don't believe you, and no one ever really did. Right. Some people some people actually made the effort to come down and say, you know what, we need to change a little bit. But it's very difficult, and I'm not saying it's everything's going to be easy, but it's very difficult to change and be nice and less uh, combative when you're trying and it appears that the other side or the other people or the other group or whatever, whoever is on the other side of that particular thought isn't reciprocating. Right, because it, oh, I tried. I tried. Right. How come you're not trying now? Maybe Please, they were. Maybe they weren't. Perception is a huge part of it. That's for sure. And, and I mean, that's the perception of the guy that cuts you off. He doesn't know that he cuts you off, but even though he re- once he realized that he should have given you at least a sorry, right, with the hand in the rearview yeah. mirror or something, you know, sorry. Maybe he doesn't know you let him. Any listen, every married guy knows what I'm talking about, right? Perception, <laughs> perception is reality, right? Yes, that's what it's like being married to everybody in the country. You're dealing with, oh, jeez, oh, no. what is this now? Okay, I'll do. And oh, how come you're not trying? I've been trying the whole time. And you know, there, I know that there's been uh, uh, you know calls for it's the media's fault, and the media keeps uh, reporting on all these uh, different stories. So maybe they're not, you know, they probably aren't happening more. It's just that we're getting the news on it more, right? Mm-hmm. And so we get to the point where you know what? No, I think we do need to know about it. We don't need for the government to go behind closed doors now. We need it's it's fishbowl. I, mean, I want to see it all. Let's open it up. Just talk solutions. I mean, transparency's got to be it. That's got to be the number one. Got to be for anything. It's got you've got to just live in that fishbowl, and then you know what? We'll go from there. Doesn't that help? Uh, if, if more transparency, if we really knew what was going on in the fishbowl, doesn't that help me go? Oh wow, that guy over there, he was he's kind of right about that guy that I've been right. Okay, I thought All that right. guy was okay, but he's right. Not really, he's right. Yeah, it sure does. Transparency has to be a part of it. And then we just hugs. Is that? I mean, if you want a hug, Doc, I'll give <laughs> you, you a hug. You want to hug it out? Are you ready fine. to go? All Jeff, right. thanks, buddy. Thanks for coming in. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You don't have to squeeze so hard. I mean, Okay, but, you can you know. let go now. Okay, let go. Chaos and clarity. How returning to our founding principles can heal our nation. A special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. This is Chaos and Clarity, hosted by Doc Thompson. If you want to join the discussion on Twitter, use the hashtag Chaos and Clarity, and I'll do my best to engage with you on social media about the chaos that we are currently living with and the clarity of how we move forward. We presented a bunch of ideas over the last couple of hours and a bunch of solutions. 
But one of the things I don't think we have spent enough time on is maybe the ultimate solution, the ultimate bit of clarity. That is faith. I don't just mean religion, and I don't just mean Christian faith, although I have a strong Christian faith. I mean faith in the system as well as faith in God. Unfortunately, we have lost our way, not just living by God's word, but we've lost our way to understand how we are supposed to live with each other, with different faiths. Many people with a strong faith understand that they are living by their God's word. But in the past, that has been used to control people to set up dictatorships and oligarchies and theocracies which have been used to oppress even though they were not very Christian or godly. But one of the beauties of America was that First Amendment that includes the freedom of religion. Not a freedom from religion, but a right to worship as you see fit. And we're supposed to have respect for others for them to worship as they see fit. Look around. Watch the news. Do you see the terror attacks? Where are those coming from? It's not just Islam. It's coming from flawed people. Yes, they are Islamic extremists in many cases. But it's flawed people who do not have the respect for others that their faith is directing them to have. The respect for human life. The respect for others to worship as they see fit. And that's a blanket we in America have always had the ability to live under. It starts with respecting others. Yes, demanding people to give you the respect that you deserve but respecting others to worship as they see fit so far as they are not infringing your right to do so. Honesty and kindness have to be at the heart of who we are. To paraphrase John Adams, we cannot have a representative republic where we, the people, control the system and control the government unless we are moral people. Unless we do the right things. It's garbage in and garbage out. Unless we do the right things, we will not get the right things. And that's the American experiment. That's who we are. Political correctness and the, the safe spaces and the limiting of speech seeks to be kind and nice and help people, but it's false. It's wrong. It's a lie. All that does is create a system where you cannot think, you cannot express yourself, you cannot disagree. That is not the way forward. Honesty and kindness come about even though you disagree. It's respect. It's saying, I have a different opinion, but I'll hear you out. Or I will let you speak your mind, and if I don't want to be around it, I won't be. But it's not stopping your speech. It's not saying your speech is hurting people. It's hate speech. 
That is a backdoor attempt to silence you, to silence others. And if you want people to respect your speech, your rights, and your faith, it starts with you and me respecting theirs as well. One of the ironic things about all of the chaos we face is that these debates were had 200 years ago. The great debate about the size of government and left versus right and how we proceed. Virtually everything that we face today has been discussed before, debated ad nauseum, all the way back to the 1700s. And the great common ground, the great compromise, if you will, is the Constitution. Smarter men than I debated all of this stuff when they were working on the Constitution. And that was the common ground. That's where they said, okay, how do we move forward where we can all discuss and do what's best for everybody without you giving up, sacrificing, or compromising your core values and without me compromising mine? And that system is the Constitution. Anyone who tells you it's outdated is simply trying to tip the playing field in their favor for personal selfish gain. They're retrying what's already been discussed. See, when I say Constitution, when I talk about those principles, when I talk about you and I respecting each other and those personal freedoms, I say it for all people. I'm defending the rights of those I disagree with as well as my own rights. Yes, I'm selfish, like all human beings have the ability to be. We're all selfish at times. We focus on ourselves, and I want my personal freedoms respected. But I'm not willing to gain at your expense or anybody else's. I'm not willing to gain personal freedoms by taking yours or anybody else's away. And there's the difference between me and some of my fellow countrymen. They are willing to gain at my expense when it's so simple for all of us to gain, to have, to do. That compromise is the Constitution. If you want our world to settle down, if you're tired of getting up every day and feeling the weight of the craziness that swirls around the media and the news, if you want a more civil and reasonable place where your rights are respected, where the rights of all people are respected, then follow that wonderful document that set up one of the greatest experiments in human history, the document that grew America into a force that has done more good to help the least among us and to liberate the oppressed than any society before. The American Constitution. That is the clarity. That is what will lead us out of all the chaos as it always has. I'm Doc Thompson for Chaos and Clarity. Thank you for listening, especially those listening on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Happy Independence Day. Please follow me on Twitter. It's at Doc Thompson Show. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Doc Thompson Show. Chaos and Clarity is a service of the Blaze Radio Network. Sarah Sullivan, producer. Dom Theodore, executive producer. Chaos and Clarity. A special presentation. Our return to our founding principles could heal our nation.
from the Blaze Radio Network.